Hello. Hello. We're live on April 6th, 2023. That's super. In North America, uh, Middle Earth, USA. Yeah. The acronym for that is Medusa. <laughs> Did you know the acronym for USA is Unity, Separations, and Aggregation? It's the three stages of Mott. Have you ever heard of that? I have. It goes back to the time of Yakub and Maitsai. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Ashby Beasley and meet Shondell Brooks. And all of a sudden we heard these sounds that were like, they sounded like fireworks. Someone started yelling, there's a, there's a shooter, there's a shooting. The last chapter, I'm happy it's not happy, but glad that it's over. Yeah, Shondell Brooks. Shondell Brooks, could you spell that for me? Yeah, S H A U N D E L L E Brooks, B R O O K S. Aren't you guys tired of covering this? Aren't you guys tired of being here and having to cover all of these mass shootings? I'm from Highland Park, Illinois. My son and I survived a mass shooting over the summer. I am in Tennessee on a family vacation with my son. Visiting teens, it has overtaken cars. Assault weapons are contributing to the border crisis and fentanyl. We are arming cartels with our guns and our loose gun laws. And these shootings and these mass shootings will continue to happen until our lawmakers step up and pass gun safety legislation. I'm pretty sure this was an unsecured weapon that this teenager got a hold of. We can't even pass gun safety, like safe storage laws in this country to protect kids from getting a hold of weapons that they shoot each other with. Aren't you guys tired of this? Are you guys sick of it? We have to do something. We all have to call our lawmakers and we all have to make our lawmakers make change now or this is going to keep happening and it's going to be your kid and your kid and your kid and your kid next because it's just a matter of time. I was actually in town just on vacation, um, but I'm a mass shooting survivor. My son and I survived a mass shooting in Highland Park where there was a shooting at a party that we were at and we ran for our lives. And this is just unacceptable. It's only in America can somebody survive a mass shooting and then go on vacation um, to visit another person that they have met through you know, fighting for gun safety and find themselves in another, in an involved, like near another mass shooting. Like only, you know what I mean? Like only in America does this happen, where we keep seeing this again and again and again. You know, only in America does her son survive a mass shooting and then, you know, end up in a lockdown school because there's another mass shooting. This is an epidemic. Gun violence is an epidemic, and it needs, it needs, it needs to be resolved. It needs to be addressed. When you hear about it happening at a school again, what what goes through your um, I mean, for me, the statistics start running. It, uh, like, it's likely this gun was purchased legally. It's likely it was not stored properly, and a child took it. I, I heard that it might have been a child, a, a sixth grader. And I mean, just how preventable this is, how preventable these incidences are, how we should pass gun safety legislation and lock up weapons and, you know, um, put background checks, require background checks on every single um, gun purchase, ban assault weapons. So on a typical day, there would be about 209 students inside the school and approximately 40 to 50 
staff members, about 42 staff members. I'll take just a couple of questions uh, before we go back. Clear. So the seven dead, and then, and then uh, nature of injuries, how many injured do you know? Maybe you're being treated still or injuries, but no, first responders were. But an, first officer, responders were but an officer had uh, a wound from cut glass. An officer had. Uh, are you awake yet? And what are the mathematical chances of all of these coincidences happening? On one hand, we have Ashby Beasley, who survived the Highland Park mass shooting, who just so happens to be in Tennessee and just so happens to make it to the scene and just so happens to speak in front of the cameras. And now she's being seen by millions of people talking about gun control again. And if that weren't enough, Shondell Brooks just so happened to be there, a lady who lost her son to a Waffle House mass shooting. And both of them are friends. And while all of this is happening, Tennessee just so happens to be voting on whether or not to lower the age requirements to purchase a gun from 21 to 18. America is being psyoped. These are psychological false flag operations that are being conducted on the American people, all in an effort to take away our guns. So we all have to ask the question, why do they want to disarm us? Back to the time of Yakub and Maitsai, and they got renamed uh, according to some historians, into Yahweh and Satan. Satan is an interesting phrase, Satan, yeah. because that's our AI binary system, and a lot of people accuse that of the uh, being Satan. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's plenty of other younger guys who love AI, and they can't wait to be besties with it, so to speak. So we have this dynamic of uh, mama bear, papa bear, and baby bear. It's inside you. Two extremes in every stretch there is in the middle. It reminds me of the N, which has your two poles of polarity and that shrizzetch in between the middle. We uh, actually found out that J is marking the zero, the nothing space. So in numerical fashion, it's, it's in that position it's in. But numerically, if you're using numbers to associate, it's a zero. Yeah. So that would give you 25 of the 26 letters that have numerical value. And you could simply imagine the J not there since it's a zero. So, you know, what's interesting about that? What? Well, uh, just like in the number scale, we have the palindrome with one, two, three, four, and then six, seven, eight, nine. So two sets of four with five in the middle. It's like a palindrome. Well, we have that with the uh, other uh, alphabet also. So with the alphabet, we have a 12-pack on one side, A through M, A-M, and then O through Z, Oz. So you have from morning to Oz hmm. with N striking in the middle, cool. that center 13th. It's 13th, whether you count from the Z backwards or the A forward, you're still at N, N time. 13. So 13 is the coolest code ever because when you squash the 13 together, it makes a B. If you ever looked at 13 and wonder where's the one, two, three, it should be a two there. You're number two. Yeah. You're number two. Yeah. Everybody's two. In France, everybody's two. So uh, you're number two. And in the mysterious 13 number, we always wonder what that means. Well, you see it right in the alphabet, folks. 
The J has new numeric value. Mm -hmm. So you have A to Z, just like in lazy. Elohim, A to Z, Y. So in the 25-letter alphabet, since J wouldn't be counted numerically, and it came recently to our alphabet anyway. So it's actually a new invention. It came to mock the spaces, to mock Christ, actually. That's what the J is for, in case anybody was wondering. So when you don't count it numerically, it's in the 13th position, whether you go from Z back or A forward, and there's a perfect 12 on either side with a union of the 13th in the center, the letter N. So I hope this blew your mind and shook your heart. And if it <laughs> did, please leave a comment down below. <laughs> I'll start. So in word deconstruction, your name has uh, two N's in it. So you're, you must think about N a lot. So what's your view on the end now that you're an enlightened end person? Well, I think that when we talk about the end in the middle of the alphabet and also people exploring all the details of everything, that reminds me of them being the ones on the slant in the middle of the two poles that are on either side with the end. Cool. Well, that is very good. We have an article that we wrote about the inner critic that we all face each day, and that link is below. And... There was someone online that was ruminating and they wrote a list and we have that list. So where do our inner critics come from? Obviously they come from our peers. But how did they ever creep into begin with? Into the first human? It's a subjective state that has a real influence on even the most confident, I imagine. I doubt you can redeem anything in your life. Lovely memory I can't seem to eject. There is only one redeeming quality. You can never give me the trust I need. You're right, I can't. That's too much faith in humanity. Have your scientists, have your scientists. They're apparently infallible. Ha. Well, definitely we well. have some uh, questions and some uh, unwrapping to do there. So, you know, that his history is an interesting word because it has story in it. Did you ever notice that history has the word story in it? I did. So if you back the word hi, H-I, off. Hi, story. So th there's an interesting acronym we could place there for human interaction. Mm. You know, and every time we say hi to somebody, that is a human interaction. So I think it fits very well here. And history is a story of human interactions, would you say? Very good, yeah. So I think it fits very well. So, uh, human interaction stories, and that's what makes our histories. And uh, it's a very interesting uh, So, in idea. other words, all, all that above had all of us in it. <laughs> yeah, I believe so. And when we go back in the word peer, it goes back to the word par, but literally peer in the earliest times, 1290. You see it meaning equal rank. And it relates to earlier times of the word par, which means equal. So we have this base word of par. And any of these words that are P, a vowel, or two vowels, and then R, 
we have the same meaning. We have the P and the R side by side, the consonantals. So this P is the 15th position numerically in value. So it is for perfection. And the R is also a letter P, but with a slant or a walking leg, whereas the P is planted. Mm-hmm. So the R is moving and repeating. I think Plato, Socrates, and Pythagoras all kind of agreed on that. Yeah, so I think that as humans, we are all the peers, and we are the peers, as a po- and people are the peers, so your peer is you, too. You're peering at yourself, to say. And so this equality, this equalness, this peer, this PR, it's an equal measure of you and them and them and you. Well, a long time ago, I asked my heart if everything mattered, and it said yes. So then I logically figured out that all of our content matters, and it all builds and progresses. So we may not notice that the history of everything is in our current content, but it is. Right. So we even see that in our own anatomy, where the history of our evolution of our bodies is contained within our body. So we have all this magical history and evolution happening within our anatomy, and that is lends itself to the language also because we beings us magical beings are the ones who made the language human interaction so as far as the first uh uh, human uh in the previous question that's commonly known as the first word which everybody knows what that means but you could also think of it as the first vibration out of pure thought the first frequency the first sound and scientifically we know that sound leads to light and then light can turn to form so we see basically the fire of the thought this is your first element which would be in all things so the fire is the thought manifested so we have the fire as the first element and then that works itself out into sound and then light and then form now that comes the earth all living things and ultimately the most exalted creation man and woman who are a condensed version of all that came before So everything that we are is all that came before and everything that we make is all that came before and everything that we see before our eyes is all that came before. So our aggregate content that we all own and touch and feel in our anatomies and see all around of us now is a compilation and an aggregation of all that came before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can give respect and mm-hmm. admiration to that, and there's no reason to spit on it or trespass on it. Yeah. Now, as far as science and church and state goes, they are now in charge of the legal system that's part of the monopoly game of tokenism that we're all playing right now. So since we've all devalued ourselves to tokens, we need the governmental structure. We need social structures. We need law enforcement, but in this case, it's not law. It's called the legal system and it has penalties and judges and courts. But it also has men and women who give themselves titles as citizens and employees and other such names. So when we take these titles, then we agree to be members of the game of Monopoly, one and many, within the legal system that has hierarchies and managers. Now, these folks are playing the game as you are, so they're having as much fun and as much despair as you are. So... The PR is equal everywhere. The public relations is done from a third location that's unseen by most people. So all public relations PR is equal 
and there is equality in all things. Yeah. So the goodies and treasures that we're available to and the humility that we can know is not knowable by the hierarchies at the highest levels. So we trade, just like a man and a woman trade. And when we ever get finalized with this idea of seeking parity, the PR, then we will turn to our partners and tell each other that we both are seeking parity. Yay. And then we can work our way out of just about any jam because if we were able to be creative enough to work ourselves into this jam, right. we're obviously creative, creative enough to work ourselves out of Ow. this jam. <laughs> So that's what we're going to do today. Yeah. It reminds me of the song, O Solomina, what does it all mean, my dearest Nina, I hope you can tell me. <laughs> ah. So we have an explanation on what happens when everything disappears from what you thought was real? And Nina will help us with that. What happens when there is a collapse of your life into meaninglessness? Someone close dies. Everything you have built up is suddenly taken away. A breakup or a disaster i.e. your frameworks and foundations are crumbling before you. You enter the dark place of the soul. What has actually happened is a temporary loss of identity. To leave this place to a happy place, we can imagine the good in meaninglessness or the dark place of the soul. The ignorance these events produce can be exploited to see life without obsession or compulsion to drop attachments to illusory things that are temporary you know in a lot of ways we live this life completely alone we come in naked and alone and we die naked and alone and all the rendering of our reality is happening uniquely to each person in their brain function, in the basal ganglia in their brain, where almost all of the rendering takes place. Almost all of the brain's power is used in the base of the brain to decode the sensual delights that are coming into you. So the, the mystery of thoughts and the subtle consciousness and the basal ganglia and the various parts of the brain, the nervous system, are just barely understood even at this wonderful time of understanding. Yeah. So the soul journey is the same way. So just like your life as a material person in the world is solo in many ways, and we all share this solo experience, but it's solo for everybody. Even though we see each other having a solo experience and it feels like we're having it together, in actuality, it's a solo experience. So this is how we're all able to become so unique to each other because we're having a solo experience. So while we're having a unique experience, we're also built functionally, biologically, to mimic each other. So we're having a dual experience in that way also, a completely unique solo experience while we copycat all the others that we gaze at, observe, and listen to. So the soul journey, your essence, your life force energy, your soul, is also a soul low journey. 
So over the eras, we've had plenty of thinkers, deep thinkers, soul searchers, heart warriors, wisdom warriors, truth testifiers, people who lived it, experienced it, and either wrote it down or the people who loved them wrote it down. So in Greek times, they saw a man meeting his soul when he died. And they referred to it as psyche. But in those days, psyche referred to breath itself, but not breath itself. The detail of the act of the final breath. Hmm. So psyche meant the soul in Greek, but you don't see the soul until you die. Hmm. So in most understandings of the evolution of philosophy, it's usually kind of looked down on that it's been evolving to a more greater understanding as we go along. Mm -hmm. So we tend to not spend too much time looking back and trying to figure out either what they said or whether it was even repeated correctly. Or why they said it. <laughs> well, we have to know that the historians are generally paid employees. They're title people in the Monopoly game. So they have to apply the rules of the game. And we said the word exploited. Yes. So you have to be ready for anything. You really are not going to get any truth unless you're holding it in your hand or your heart itself is telling you. So this is the best way. So this is what the Greeks supposedly said. Now, the uh, Pythagoras followers... They believed that the body was a cage, a tomb, and that the soul was trapped inside there. And that the only release was through a continuous cycle of rebirth back into the cage. And the only way out was by living a pure life. So we see a similar to the teachings of Christ and mm -hmm. many that came before him, where the humble, pure life is the route to equality. So anyway, that's what the followers of Pythagoras thought. They practiced rituals of purity, and they abstained from wearing wool, and they also helped animals to achieve their own transcendence, and they uh, exercised devout vegetarianism. The Orphics practiced vegetarianism as part of a general prohibition on shedding the blood of any living thing. They believed that the body was a cage also for the human soul and that it underwent cycles of rebirth. The followers of Socrates, the physical body was called the soma, again a cage, the sema, which trapped the soul and death was simply the separation of the human soul from the physical body. So they're partners in the body and then the soul is released. So as I say, this is how we interpret the earlier teachings, but their teachings were very wide and very deep. So this is just to scratch the surface, really, what we're saying here. The Buddhists believe that a soul can be released by resolving what you owe, your debt, your karma. So whatever your cycle's buildup is, because many believe that in reincarnation you get to live both sides of the fence. So mm. you get to live as a king and a slave. Uh -huh. You get to live yeah. as a murderer and a saver of lives. Uh -huh. So this is what we understand from some of the deeper thinkers through the hours. So the Buddhists are considered pretty deep. And they <laughs> said that if you resolved your karma that you could 
connect with the soul and that this could be done by living a humble, pure life. And then facing and realizing in your heart and your mind that creation itself is within you. Now, back to the Egyptian times, they believed that the human soul had two parts. They called it the Ba and the Ka. The Ka was the embodiment of all of one's life force. And the Ba was the unique personality that each person develops. The Trimagistus, the Hermes Trimagistus, although the um, wonders of the world have convinced everyone that anything related to mysticism since they burned people for it in the 1600s should be turned away from. But this has long been known, this uh, writings and this study, the Hermes Trimagistus, to contain a complete record of all of life mysteries. So after the conquest of Egypt, when Egypt fell, that was done by the Arabians in the seventh century, the Arabian scholars carried on the work of the Alexandrian school. And by the eighth century, it had reached Morocco where it flourished. Now, bring it up to today in the 2020s, we have social constructs, social contracts, and social media, SNM. So they're here today to disreveal you through all the theories of your natural format the soul itself, and your partnership with creation. So we'll go over a couple words to try to give a clear understanding of the sounds and the spellings and how they overlap and have similar meanings, but very subtle differences that affect our subtle conscious. And then they lend into our personalities, our emotional reactions and our relationships. So we're going to look first at purity parity and parody so parody originally meant song ode code a singer singing voice tone sound lyric song speaking par always means alongside and beyond invisible partner so the word purity, pure, is saying P, perfection, you are. In 1190, it meant freedom from moral contamination, sinlessness, innocence, cl cleanness, pureness, righteousness, chastity, simple truth, unmixed, chaste, undefiled. From Latin, purus, clean, clear, unmixed, unadorned, chaste, or chaste, chaste, undefiled. So parity itself means equilibrium, fairness to all, balanced, equality or equivalence in rank or status, state or condition, or of being on a level. From the Latin, P-A-R, equal, equal-sized, well-matched, equality. Pariah, applied by Hindus and Europeans to any members of low Hindu caste and even to outcasts. The extended meaning of social outcast is written by 1819. And parse is saying 
P arse related to parts and grammatical deconstructions, old French par or pair, plural or part, a part, i.e. parse equals many parts. And purse is Old English, persa, little bag or pouch made of leather, especially for carrying money from medieval Latin bursa, leather purse. Now, parrot is saying par. The first word is par, second word is rot. So you have equality turning to rot. But if you turn rot in the mirror, it says tor, which is the beginning of the toroidal field, which we see the energetic field in all living things, this mm. toroidal donut hole field of evolution and continuum. So when we do parrot things without research, though, in other words, when we mimic others, this is another way of looking at the word mimic, because we see people parroting sometimes, we're all guilty of it and we'll repeat others or something we saw on the news without holding the evidence in our hand mm -hmm. and without mentioning that we don't have the evidence. Mm -hmm. We're only parroting, so we have to watch ourselves there. Now the word parson has P and then arson after it. So this is interesting. So we see the word fire and the word repeat mm. sun because we have the sound R and sun. So the sun represents the sun in the sky and the heart beating in your chest. So we have Parson as a worker at the church and they are literally uh, perfection repeating the sun, hmm. the beating heart and the sun in the sky. So hmm. person is also just like Parson. So we have the same thing happening with a person as a Parson. So they're maintaining the church, the place of cutting. Chop, chop, you are in the middle. So the word church is telling us that we are the URs and we are particularizing everything. So mm -hmm. that's why we're called parsons and persons. But we're doing it within a realm where everything's of equal measure. Yes, we should remember the equal measure. So if we chop, chop, chop things up, let's remember what the equal measure is. No matter how many times we chop it, everything is equally measured. So you could chop to your heart's delight, you're going to get equal measure from every action, every thought, every utterance. Which would be the connections. Yes. Parle oh, parallel. parallel. L lying in the same plane, but never meeting in either direction of planes never meeting, however, far extended. So if I could add to huh. that, when we do our explanations, ah. we play with the word X ah. and plane. Yes. And when we talk about planes, we often think about them going on forever, and sometimes we don't, but a lot of times we do. Explanations do. <laughs> yes, explanations seem to go on forever, don't they? So when we also have the X, though, which has a target in the middle. Mm -hmm. And it has an exit also. So we should think about these words that start with X. And when we have the word X and then plane afterwards, we're saying parallels. Hmm. So yeah. even when we have the two sticks crossing, we even have basically you have your polarities and now they're crossing in there and now they're making something. They make a target and an exit. Yeah, and some kind so of there point a place in the to middle. Go and a place to leave. So you uh. see the parity in all things once again. And then uh, parlay from Italian parole, Neapolitan paroli, words and promises. Huh, they go together. 
Parole in 1610's word of honor, especially promised by a prisoner of war not to escape if allowed to go about at liberty or not to take up arms again if allowed to return home. So back in those days, you got parole before you went to jail. Hmm. So nowadays you get parole after, after. you go to jail. Yeah. So the word parable is interesting. That's saying equality is able. Hmm. So parables are saying to us that they're the ability to show equality. So we don't have to disrespect parables or fables. They're there for a reason hmm. to help us understand equality. And the definitions, they're called allegorical or metaphorical narratives, usually having a moral for instruction. Hey. The word park is saying arc. It has A-R-K, arc. Arc. So it's a P-arc arc. or a perfection arc. Now, interestingly enough, in the 1250s, it was considered attractive land that was enclosed oh, as yeah. a preserve for beasts of the chase. Ooh. So they would surround an area, put beasts in it, and then they would have fun going and hunting <laughs> them down, chasing them around. <laughs> so does that sound uh, familiar, folksy wokesies out there? So you know what? All of us women and men are the beasts, and we are in the park the perfect arc. Everything's equal measure. And even though we're playing a game, game of hunt and escape, it is a game. Mm -hmm. So the beast is saying B, number two, east. We're all number two, and we're all of the east of the heart where the sun rises. Nice. 